A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome back to Brooker Mode for episode 12. I'm joined by Maddock Fine. Eggs, thanks for having me, mate. No worries, thanks for coming on the show. To start with, I've I ordered these cards online to start my episodes with, but I haven't come yet. They're the sort of like these vulnerability sort of questions. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get people to pick a few cards and then select one. Right. But they haven't come yet, so that's unfortunate. But Starting with the heavy hitters. Yeah, I've just I've come up with a, one of my own. Okay, just go. To, so... What does a good person look like to Maddox Plain? Well, we a good person, I think, is just someone that you can, like, I, I think, have, have a genuine conversation with. I think I've got, I, I'd like to think I've got a pretty good sense of, like, being able to, uh, you know, pick a, a, a genuine, genuinely good person. I think if, if you, I don't know, something about, about the way they talk to you, if they, you know, the questions that they ask you, if, if you know, there's follow-up questions, if they sort of seem to care, I think, um, I think that's a genuinely good person. Yeah, I rate that. And you can have that sort of engagement with them and you can see that they are caring. So I've got a few things to discuss today. We've obviously got footy, your music, yeah. the run to talk about. I'll start with the footy. So I didn't know much too much about you besides the fact that you've played a bit for Subi. Uh, I've obviously done my research on you, so don't worry. I got, <laughs> I got your stuff here. So where'd you play local footy? Played local footy at Serenadun Craig. I still don't think they've got a, a seniors footy program there, which they definitely should. I reckon people get around it there. But yeah, played played juniors at Serenadun Craig. I mean, early, early days, I'd, I spent five or six years in Broome when I was real little. So that was sort of where I started my Oz kick. Um, but yeah, juniors at Serenadun Craig and then sort of from Colts age went to Subi. Yeah, that's sick. So, 37 Waffle Colts games, you were the Premiership captain in 2018. I'll hit. I'll give you the hard-hitting question. Were you ever uh, talked about getting drafted? Anything like that? I think, like, before Subi or the sort of early Subi days, there was a bit of bit of AFL chat. And then sort of, I think I got... I didn't get boxed off as, as, a, as a leader, um, role player, but I think... Um, in in the Colts in the Colts year, I think my role 
um, wasn't particularly AFL friendly and, and a lot of the the combine testing and stuff like that, I wasn't particularly high in a lot of those things, like my vertical jump's not that massive and, and you know, beep test wasn't too flash and, and a few other things. But I think, you know, the thing that got me my captaincy that year was um, I think I earned the respect from a lot of the boys and, and I'd been in the Colts side, whether that was playing or training or injured or rehab or whatever for the two years before that. So I knew everyone pretty well. I knew the coaching staff pretty well. Um, and then, yeah, I don't, look, I don't think I was in the the top 10 as you'd say best players in that team but when it came to sort of playing my role and knowing the structures and and playing that I sort of played that small backman role all year I'm sort of like an anchor you know where you can see the whole ground and you can you know know, point structures out and and sort of play your leadership role from back there I really enjoyed doing that um, regardless of whether it was sort of a future thing to play AFL I think I sort of knew at that point that that wasn't going to happen for me and there was other stuff going on with music, so I wasn't too fast. But, yeah, early days, that was always a dream. I think every yeah. young guy's dream yeah, is to play AFL when you're playing footy. But I was pretty happy where I was at at Subi. So that was 2018. Did you train with the seniors or did you leave the um, Subi after that? No, nah, so the year after, I think I all the pre-season, I went down to one pre-season session, grabbed the Subi kit, like the, the <laughs> shirt and the shorts, I still don't think I paid for it. You didn't them. pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> grabbed them, did the first session. Actually, I think I was in rehab, so I grabbed them and got, got on the bike and got on the rower and then sent the coaches a message, sent, you know, a heap, heaps of the heaps of the coaching staff there a text and a call and had a coffee with with a couple of them and had a chat and just said that sort of I'm going to shoot off and, and focus on, on, you know, uni and music and stuff and that was sort of the direction I wanted to go in from there. So that was 2019. Did you play footy that year? Yeah, so I played. I played. Um, I think the thing I, I just wasn't too keen on doing the the super serious waffle seniors footy. I think I was pretty content with with the Subi Colts flag. So played at North Beach 2019 Colts there, and won another flag, which was pretty good. Oh, sick. With with some that was a pretty good group of boys that year. Um, so that was another good one to win and, and training was was fun like I, I a lot of my mates that I played with at Subi weren't really schoolmates or you know sort of outside of footy mates whereas when I came back to North Beach I had a few of those a few of those friends there kind of rekindling connections and, and it was a pretty good year to win another one which was, which was good yeah that's sick so you played that 2019 2020 do you, do you have a year off at all yeah so I pl- 2019 was North Beach Colts 2020 I played league um, did you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I played, I played, um, I played league that year when we got into the grand final. Sort of similar role again, like like back back pocket, um, back pl- back flank. I think I started the year midfield. I thought this year was your first year at no, no. I, I asked you that question at training once. Yeah. So I, so yeah, played league all that year. I think I think I had a I had a pretty good year in the in the Colts year before, and I think that's what made sort of a few of the coaches be like oh you know we might we should probably play this guy and then us this is a bit of a trend but started the year in midfield and they were like this bloke can't find the footy so we'll put him down back <laughs> and so then other, i did other it right way, there other way this year yeah so <laughs> so yeah we lost the we lost the grand final that year and then i think i took a step back was this against scarborough, scarborough oh, yeah. i was at the game yeah i just did not remember you <laughs> no so after after that year i was like I was like, oh, I think I took my footy a bit too seriously that year. Like I wasn't, I was, you know, 
sitting in the in the um, in the rooms at halftime and you're just stressing out every game and you're going like there's there's not a lot of time where you actually like relax and have fun. So I think after that year, I took a step back and and sort of said I'd, I'd have a year off footy and um, owe it to myself to sort of you know work on other things like going go to the gym a bit more and and really knuckle down to the music thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I had a couple of years off. Did that seriousness that you brought into amateur footy? Did that sort of stem from being at the Waffle Club, taking it to a bit too seriously? I don't think so. I think I think I mean I've always wanted to like compete at the highest level I think even to start this year I told myself you know I'll, I'll come back and play footy but I'll you know I'll, I'll just not be too fussed where I sit and and I'd be happy to play you know even like threes or fours and just you know have um have a bit of a muck around and like sort of like not I was sort of happy to not train as much and that was sort of my thoughts going into this year and then I got down for the first pre-season training that I that I went to and I was like oh you know I'll, I think I'll I'll give it a crack. Like just I think that's just sort of in my mindset. Yeah, com- to, you know, yeah, just competitive. I, I don't guess. think there's any point um, going half-ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that was. It's always been sort of inbuilt in me to whatever I'm doing, just just like have a real good go at it. So yeah. So you mentioned that during that year, I guess it was getting a bit like you were maybe taking it a bit too seriously, or you know, you were getting a bit stressed at halftime stuff like that. I guess now you've got a really good balance. How have you been able to sort of enjoy football a bit more this year? Yeah, I think I mean, like honestly, so much of it is just how you want to how you want to perceive what you're doing. Like I think if I go out there every weekend and go I just want to make sure that I don't do this and I don't stuff that kick up or I you know, uh, I want to make sure I I don't disappoint the coaches or whatever, then that sort of like feeds into you're never not going to be stressed out because you're worrying about what you're going to stuff up. Whereas like um, the last few games I've sort of told myself, look, I'm just going to like, you know, try and run off a bit more and, and, and get a bit more footy and get my teammates involved and like feed into, feed into my role a bit more, like get into the other team a bit, like bit of push and shove, just like little things that sort of made me enjoy my footy to start with. Yeah. Um, I mean, the push and shove stuff is is, is pretty fun because like you shake the bloke's hand at the end of the game and yeah. you're like, <laughs> and they'll just have a giggle about it, which is pretty good. Um, but yeah, honestly, just having a mindset being like, you know, I'm going to go out there and 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 get a few massive tackles and take some good marks and and hit my skills up instead of being like, oh, I don't want to stuff up. Like that was yeah. a big thing for me this year. Yeah, I think that avoidance mindset of like you said, I don't want to mess this up rather than what you can bring to the team and everyone's got their strengths especially some of your strengths with that stuff you've mentioned and then yeah I guess it makes it what I find fascinating is you can have like an experience and then how you feel so or interpret that experience can have such a huge flow on effect for everything you do after that yeah like everything becomes more positive and you enjoy it rather than like you close yourself off because you're scared to make a mistake so obviously you've been like changed a bit of your mindset how important are the social connections do you think amateur footy um pretty important i reckon um especially in the in the um in the league year that i played 20 was that 2020 uh, i probably didn't feed into that as much like i went to training and like did the training sessions and then went home and like just sort of 
I didn't really think about going to the club too much on a Saturday night or, you know, feeding into that social thing as more, which would probably probably contributed to the stress, I guess. I reckon not feeling as comfortable around the group and, yeah. and you know, whereas this year, like we've got a pretty young side this year. Yeah. Like very young side. And like it's it's a lot easier to feel relaxed when you've like had a few chats with the boys and you know you know everyone a bit better and I think you can sort of that can um relate to any I guess any environment, any, yeah, exactly. work environment, yeah. uni environment. It's like if you know if if you know the people pretty well surrounding you, then it's going to make it so much more relaxing. Yeah, I definitely have that experience from last year versus this year. I think I didn't make as much of an effort because you know I, it's weird because like you don't you don't make the effort because you sort of don't know the people, so you sort of just got to. Oh, that was me. You sort of just got to forget that and then start to just put yourself out there and then yeah. build those connections and then. And then you actually just want to go because you've had you have that sort of relationship with the people. Yeah, it's definitely a thing that I that I missed when I wasn't playing. Like you see these when you when you're playing footy, you like you spend what probably four, probably eight to ten hours a week with with these blokes, and it's like if, if you're spending eight to ten hours a week with with other people, then they're your best mates. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I think that's something I missed the social side of footy, which is like a, I'm glad I fed into it a bit more this year. So, just to finish on a bit of the footy stuff, was that a yellow card on the weekend? <laughs> on the weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah, a bit of context. I got a yellow card for a dangerous tackle. Oh, probably it probably was a free kick. A hundred. It was it was it was dangerous, but like it it was one of those things where it's always weird when you're watching other people do it. You're like, oh, like he's a thug, and then when you're like tackling yourself, it's like a very very split second thing where you're like i've brought him to ground mm. and i've you know i've definitely done that the wrong way and i actually know that umpire pretty well he was in he went to school with me he was, oh, a, year, he was a year above me it's probably why and, prob- he, and he probably wanted to get one back he, he? He's, he's, he's like he was like maddock come here mate i was like i was like what, what are you on about and he's like come here just let's just have a chat and he kept saying that and i was like all right i walked away from the group and he's like i'm gonna, gonna give you a yellow card it was unnecessary and I was like, oh, fair enough. Like, <laughs> I always feel like you can tell whether it should be a card or whatever or suspension AFL based yeah. off the reaction of the players around. And no one remembered. Yeah, no one really had a crack. Which means um, that they, people were like, oh, that's all right. Maybe because I like tried to help the bloke up or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I thought you were going to go for it. I watched the replay of the game. And I thought you went to go push him down at first. <laughs> and then you, Imagine then you that put... dangerous tackle, then have another crack. That probably would have got, got me sent off for longer. But yeah, look, it's I'm kind of all for like protecting the head and stuff. Yeah, hundred. I think it's been good. I think yeah, like there's there's times where it's so soft and you're like, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, but. I got done for a dangerous tackle against Mount Lawley when I had the guy's shirt and just threw him. He didn't even go to yeah, ground, really. yeah. Like, that 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 one was more of like a action. the old. When they used to call a sling, yeah. not dangerous, where he's like, it's like more of like a you throw the player, but that was yeah. Come on, I mean everyone's learning, aren't they? Uh, but maybe learn a bit better, boys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's some of the footy stuff. I'd love to go into the run, like the you did 105k run for charity. So did just for context, everyone Maddock did 105k run, 15 laps of herdsman. Yeah. 15 hours for the charity 20 Talk, which is a mental health awareness charity aimed at helping and educating younger people. So firstly, what kick-started the idea? 
Well, this is like, this is kind of funny. Um, you know, a lot of new people that I meet and talk to that the running has sort of come a, a, a part of my identity a little bit and it never has. Like I've hated running always. Um, and, you know, anyone that you that you speak to that's been a friend from, you know, high school days or even early footy days, like I'd, I'd run for five minutes and I'd be on my haunches like blowing, like just exhausted. So um, to have that as sort of part of my identity now and something that people ask me about is pretty cool. But, yeah, I, I mean, what got me into this was my mate Mitch Gray who ended up – he ran 175K or something stupid. He actually just did the – HBF fun run yeah. on Sunday and did did a half marathon at three minute forty nine pace, mm. which is which is ridiculous. Um, but I think in his preparation for that, for he was always going to do that event. It's called Hurdy's uh, Ultra Backyard Challenge, and he was always going to do it because he did it last year. And then leading up to it for his preparation, he did a marathon every day for a week, so every day for seven days. I think that's nearly three hundred kilometers. Yeah, it's a joke. That's arguably harder than than what he did at, at Herdsman. But, yeah, I, I sort of said to myself, look, I'll run the last 3K of every one of his marathons just to help him over the line. Um, and I ended up running like 115K for that week. And then that was a switch in my head that I was like, oh, maybe I could, you know, maybe I could do the, the Herdies thing. And Mitch was like, yeah, just give it a crack. So signed up. I've been aware of 20 Talk, the mental health organisation charity for, for a while. One through Mitch and two through a few people in the music industry or in the arts industry in WA um, have worked like locally with them. So I knew about them and I knew of them. I did I did a bit more research and Mitch was always donating to them. So I just jumped on board, um, jumped on the bandwagon and and then yeah did the run. So it's kind of all funneled through <laughs> through Mitch. Yeah. And you know we ran the first. I mean I'll, I'll give you a bit of context really. The race so Lake Herdsman's a seven k track and you run one lap of it at the start so at the start of every hour you start a new lap so you've just got to be at the start line like a minute before the next hour as if you um finish it because like people most people good runners doing like 30 minutes later, yeah so. so you kind of want to pace yourself for, yeah. like we were going pretty quick at the start probably finishing like 48 minutes yeah most people were giving themselves like maybe eight to ten minutes break but you'd think so, yeah, you do, so you do a lap yeah. and then and that's kind of like five fifty six minute pace. Well, 48 minutes, that's like nearly seven minute K pace. So it's really slow. Jogging. It's pretty slow. It's yeah. pretty slow. And a lot of people when the first four or five laps will, like what we were doing is we would, we would run, then we'd walk, then we'd run, then we'd walk. Yeah. And then, so the first few laps, like they're, they're pretty relaxed, to be honest. Like they're pretty relaxed. You put your feet up, you have, you make sure you're getting enough food and water. The hardest part for me was when it got dark and it was what, like... What time did it start? started at 4pm on Friday. Fuck. Yeah, so you go... Was it well lit up? Was there... No, nah, not around the track. So you had to wear head torches once it got dark, but I wanted to get to midnight. That was my original goal, which was like 56k or something, and then got to midnight and I've been running with Mitch that whole time. And then at that point I was like, all right, I'll put my headphones in and I'll just start focusing on my own stuff and maybe set like a new slower speed um, and just try and get through it like maybe 50 52 minutes and have less 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 of a break put on some cool little albums um, each lap and then you know like 2 a.m 3 a.m was like oh my god like it's dark like my feet hurt my ankles hurt my knees were hurting and I mean there's still at this point there's still like 100 people in this race like more 
Like these people are freaks. They will just so run and a, run. So it's a race, is it? Yeah. So the last person standing wins, and he did. He ran till Monday morning, so he did like four hundred <laughs> kilometers or something stupid. His name's Phil Gore. He does. He wins pretty much every one of those. But yeah, look, the the more I, once I got to two three a.m., I was like, I just want to get to sunrise. So once I got to sunrise, which was turned out to be the hundred k mark, a lot of people dropped off then, but I was pretty stoked. What sort of helped you push through that? I guess because you could easily pull the pin. Had a really good support crew there. Like that, the first night had probably 10, 15 people roll through, you know, on the 10 minute break, like around 7, 8, 9 p.m., just to say good day. So my brother was there the whole time. Mitch's mum was there the whole time. She's a legend. And yeah, shout out Kaylin and, and Kez. They're great. Joel Carello was there. Just like heaps of mates were there, sort of that you look forward to seeing at the end of the lap. And it's like, just get through to the lap. Once you've done that, just get up to the start line i think the good drive was the amount of people that were still in it yeah like you look around and all these people look fresh as in like all right, you talk to anyone like uh yeah. yeah spoke to a couple randoms one bloke was was in the navy or something and he was like he was in a similar position to me just wanted to get to 7 a.m and then i found out he ended up running for another he ended up doing 24 laps or something like it's a navy mindset you know, yeah <laughs> navy mindset a bit different to mine but i mean when i finished like i think the last couple laps every lap i was putting my feet up um and then the last couple laps i just couldn't because i couldn't actually get back on my feet oh, it'd be too painful. yeah i needed to keep walking around because yeah. i was so sore like you're getting a cork i guess yeah yeah but i was pretty stoked with my eff- with my effort in the end but i haven't I haven't done a run since like a i haven't done like an event run yeah. since i've done a few jogs but nothing too hectic mate that is so sick do you think, I guess, it wasn't just about you this run, it was, you know, to help raise awareness. Um, did that sort of help, having the per- an- like another oh, purpose? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that, like, a lot of the support that I got and a lot of the, a lot of the support that Mitch got through 20 Talk, he raised money for 20 Talk last year as well, but it was a bigger group this year, a, big, a bigger support network. I think we had, you know, we got, we got some merch from 20 Talk um, that we wore the whole time and... You know, I've had some pretty good chats with a couple of the guys from that crew, and I think there was just a lot. Uh, there was a few more factors this year. I say this year was my first year, but Mitch's second year. Um, a lot more factors that sort of mentally got us over the line each time. Um, we're running for a few more people this time, so it was good. Yeah, that's sick. So, you have any more future events on the cards? No, oh, I don't know. I haven't signed up. I think it's almost sold out for next year. Like these, sold out. Yeah, like you have. I mean. It's it's about 150, 200 bucks to enter, I yeah. think. So you pay to to put yourself through torture. <laughs> but um, no, nah, I mean it's a special event. It was pretty worth it. But I, I don't I don't think I've got anything. As long as I'm pl- I'm playing footy, I probably won't do too many of those. Just because when you're playing, like you, you don't get as much rest as it is. Like yeah. you need to take the time to actually rest properly. But um, who knows? Maybe if something pops up down the line in the off season or or next year, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, so it was great to talk about the running stuff. Um, I'd love to talk about the music stuff now. That's probably maybe arguably one of the most important things in your life. Yeah. So for the people who don't know, I'll, I'll play a few clips of his music just to give you a bit of taste. Um, for, for more context, I love this music as well. It's sort of one of my favourite genres. I feel energy moving around the room. All light and shade burning. So that's some of his music there. I love that shit. Um, 
so you studied at WAPA. Yeah. And graduated with first class honours. That's very impressive. In the Bachelor of Music. I've got some cool stuff here. Did you did your research? I've got, no, I've got some cool <laughs> I got some cool stuff here. Because you've done a few interviews with some people. So I was right. gonna grab some cool stuff yeah, yeah. out of that. But so is that how many years is that? Four. Four. So yeah, yeah geez. Yeah. And because I know nothing about music, what do you learn in Bachelor of Music? Oh, that's a that's a pretty good question. <laughs> you think I'd know how to answer <laughs> it. You learn I mean, like music theory is is like is one whole part of it. You sort of learn reading and writing of music and like how to write songs and, and and you know, that sort of shit. And then the other side is you learn how to perform. Like my course was a performance course. So you learn how to like present yourself on stage, you learn how to like set up all the all the technical side of things, like how to set up the equipment, how to organise a band, how to lead a band. Um because I majored in vocals and singing, so um, you know, you sort of learn how to stand at the front of a stage and stand in front of a band and and, and direct them and and you know lead them through a set of music or something like that. And then you've got the other side, which is a written side, where we had like history units in the first couple of years, and then third year something called colloquium, which was just like academic writing on music. And then in the fourth year, I did my thesis, which was how I got the honours and did like a a 10,000 word um, thesis on this. a song. This one? Yeah, man. So Grace by Jeff Buckley, which is actually the name of the album as well, which the song's from. Yeah, I love like, Jeff Buckley. Oh, that's that's like, that's probably my favourite album of all time. Does, um, is, is his, this is one of my this is probably my favorite song by him. I don't know if this is in it. Yeah, yeah. Looking out the door, I see the rain fall upon the funeral. Yeah, man. Love Yeah, that? Lover You Should Have Come Over is in it. Oh, um, that's sick. Just a just a great album and and I think right being able to write about something I was super passionate about made it so much easier. Yeah. Um like I pretty much wrote the paper on on like how he sings. And then, I mean, it's 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 a whole nother a whole nother topic. But um, there's this thing called practice led research, where you journal all your practice that you do, all your singing practice, and all like the musical practice that you do, and then you record it, and then you go back and like you reflect on it, and you do like it's called reflective analysis. And at, something that I learned at WAPA, which I didn't think was a thing for singing or music, was that or especially singing, I thought if you you could sing or you couldn't sing. And I sort of learned that that's really not a thing because as you practice, it's just like anything, like you improve. Yeah. And if you, the more you put in, like you, the improvement, like you notice it straight away. So this was a cool little, cool little experiment to do over the year and see how, how my practice, because it helped me sing that song a bit better. That was like, that was the whole thesis, I guess. Yeah. Sounds a bit silly, but you know, being able to write an academic paper on, on singing is, um, I mean, it, it's pretty difficult to put into words. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I was thinking. And yeah. When I read that on the screen, I honestly had to look twice because I was surprised. But yeah, I had a, so I had cool. a lot of mates, especially when I was at WAPA. Um, a lot of mates sort of asked me, like, like, "What are you actually studying? Like, <laughs> all your stories that you're putting up is just you on stage singing, like, at, like where at uni doing like business and and commerce, like actually with our heads in books, and you're on a bloody stage." And I was like. 
yeah <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing but it's fun like yeah you know that's sick i love that so i guess i want to talk about how music sort of acts as like a bit of a it's sort of own therapy for you i guess in the song own worst enemy you spoke somewhere else about how it was you know it helped you express some of your feelings throughout a, a down period how how do you find that with your music writing it depends i think like the funny thing is it's it's a lot easier to write songs when you're in a shit like when you're in a bit of a slump like for me like you know it sounds it sounds like bullshit to talk about it now but like just going through like a you know a breakup and oh you're so sad like you know like in in hindsight like maybe maybe it's not all doom and gloom but in the moment like you just feel like the world's ending yeah and there were a few things that helped me through that and writing was one of them just like you know just writing about um even just writing about things that were completely irrelevant and you know um having a bit more fun with it sort of helped me through it but yeah a, a lot of the songs um that i wrote early days are kind of about being able to move on from something that was difficult or like positive talking and and like that song in particular is kind of putting you know that whole theme of your own worst enemy like destructive thoughts and negative thinking trying to trying to put that like in a positive light that was definitely that song but yeah my writing process doesn't really start with writing lyrics and sticking to a theme like i'll i'll start with the music um like i'll start with the drums and then the keys and then everything else um so how, how does that because you sing and you have i saw a bunch of people but like it's obviously called matic playing does that mean it's like you're just a singer but they're just like to play instruments? yeah so like the the way i write is like i'll i'll produce the, the like the real raw foundations of the track just on my laptop um on logic and i'll like you know drop and drag drum samples and then like play the keys and and slowly put like a an idea together and then once that's fleshed out in a song then i'll come up with a melody and then the lyrics will come sort of last and a lot of the time they just come from gibberish and then eventually like a nice little phrase will come out of that um and then i'll expand on it through the verses but yeah um the the band side of like I've, the band that i play with now um there's a few a few blokes that have you know moved away or chop and change but the, the core of the band i've played with for like through Whopper for like four or five years um and it is pretty collaborative in the live sense um like I have a few guys like Corbin Chapel and Blake Weller um and Christian Mears these guys I've worked with and, and written with so you know a few of the songs are very collaborative yeah. it's not all me okay um yeah. you know it is it is nice to have the name at the front of it but um there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes that's like if I none of these songs I could have done all by myself so yeah yeah that's cool so you also I didn't know this but you also played in a band before that Ferncroft yeah yeah um but I, f- I read that it <coughs> sort of fell away during the COVID period or yeah well um shout out the Ferncroft boys that was like um that was like my first experience of playing live and they were great like they um they their singer left the band and they were looking for someone new and um one of the boys in the band sharky went to school with my older brother um and you know we're all mates now so it's like sharky and aiden 
Cuddles and Lockie, like those boys, let welcome me into that band pretty pretty well and and different bit of a different genre. Um, it was kind of more grungy, um, but then sort of um, survive. Like, I was getting when I was listening. Yeah, yeah, but um, what's that? Kings of Leon vibe. Yeah, I yeah. think is the best way to describe it. Um, and I love playing. I love singing in that band. I love writing with those boys. We ended up releasing a few songs, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eventually it got to like the end of my whopper um, degree, and I sort of wanted to work on my own stuff. Um, trying to sound, you know, not trying to sound selfish, but I think it was time for me to like work on, um, you know, my own craft and write my own music. Yeah. And th- those boys were so so good about that. So yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's a good introduction into the music industry, I guess. So you've talked about journaling and how that's helped you, um, and I guess it sort of goes hand in hand with writing music. I guess expressing yourself onto paper. Do you reckon that's writing music has helped you journal? Because there's not many people, I don't think, that journal. So. Yeah. So I mean, like sometimes I'm all chat. Like I haven't journaled in a little while. Um, that's all right. But when I was journaling, uh, I mean, I think it's pretty important to journal even when you don't think you need to. Um, but when I was journaling, like, it's sort of nice to look back on things and you're like, you, you look back on when you were feeling like shit and you go, oh, well, like, it actually always, like, gets better. Like, time, you know, no, no matter how long it takes, like, it's always going to get to a point where you're feeling better. Like, and, and journaling is a good way to sort of express... Like, especially if you don't really feel like talking to anyone about it. Um, I sort of, I don't often have that issue because I love, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty open book these days. But when there are times where, like, if I'm at home and I actually, you know, don't want to talk to mum or dad or don't want to talk to, like, my mates about something that I'm dealing with, you just write it down and it's almost feels like you've talked to someone about it. Um, and that was pretty cool with journaling that I found. So there's that, like, being able to, being able to like let go of a few things and then also being able to look back on things and um and see how far you've come which is cool yeah i love that it's a very important reflective experience isn't it and i i guess touching back to the songwriting stuff and you and you spoke about how when you're in the down periods i guess it was easier to you know make powerful stuff and i guess that sort of goes with the fact that negative experiences can sometimes just be so much more powerful than positive ones yeah you know what I mean? yeah absolutely i think it's like it's it's how you react to those things like things just happen and then it's sort of how you how you're going to move on how you're going to switch or flick that switch and sort of turn that into something positive um and yeah that that was that was the thing for me like and as soon as you start doing that and you start noticing a bit of change in your mindset, you started noticing that, you know, um, a few things are going a bit better, then it's like you, you really understand, like, the I guess the power of that, that sort of positive mindset and positive thinking. What, what are your goals with music? They chop and change pretty often, whether that's short-term or long-term. Obviously, long-term, I'd love to play a festival and I'd love to support, like, a, a major touring artist um like dream dream tour support would be like matt corby Mm. um you know if he was to he's doing a tour now 
um, a goal would be to like you know to support him on a tour play. So, so how does that? So support would be yeah. like support would be like you know he would have like an artist travel with him and play the first set before he plays. Okay. In his show, a so warm you know, up for yeah, the crowd. Yeah, yeah, like like the opening set. Yeah. Okay. Um. But I guess I had a bit of a break from writing and stuff sort of over the summer and the first couple months of this year. Um, last year got like pretty hectic with music and I think I just needed to like reset and start again. So, you know, in order to achieve those things, especially in music, you have to just be pumping out music and you have to be pumping out promo and looking super, super busy just so that those people that... Um, you know put you on a festival or put you on their tour like they know what they're investing in because it's an investment for them yeah and they need to know that you've got things coming up and um you know that you're that you're 100 percent in the music um so i'm slowly getting back into it for the year now i've got a bunch of gigs next month which is really exciting yeah um so yeah so how do you relax outside of out of music how do you sort of take some time off to reset and guess because you said it's quite intense sometimes i love playing golf i'm pretty shit at it but but i love it i love i don't know man like just watching like watching shows and um you know going out with mates having a drink like just listening to music like bought it um a set of decks recently and like me and my brother like we'd just like sit on the balcony and mix some songs and like have a beer or whatever like that's pretty good wind down wind down time love going to the gym as well yeah that's another see mate that's <laughs> that's another good thing what um what's some of your favorite songs or god at at the moment oh shit on the spot like i'm a massive fan of like one of my really good mates rain he released a song last year yeah uh it's called like r and it's like one of my favorites um not trying to just plug him but yeah. i smash that song um, do you, do you like um, some local boys here? Dice, I love their stuff. Yeah, so so I'm actually signed to their the label that they're on as well. Oh, yeah, so the, cool. the Tone City record oh, label. Okay. Um, they're I guess the head honchos of the label. They're killing it at the oh. moment. Like they've you know I think they've just played GTM and and there'll be plenty more festivals that they play at um, through the year. So I'm stoked for them. You know they're they're a good bunch of boys. Yeah, they are. So I guess just a few general questions about everything that I'm interested to know. How do you think having a well-balanced life with your sport, your music, your friends and family helps helps your mental health? I think it's I think it's good to be busy for me. Like I'm such a massive overthinker and like always on the go, you know, um, and and – I find it really tough to just like sit down and do nothing. Um, And when I do that, I tend to stress out more. So for me, like I love just being busy, you know, that's why I think, I think I wanted to get back into footy this year because I was like, you know, I was spending my afternoons either doing nothing or being shit at golf. So it was like, it was good to like um, get back into, you know, even the days that you don't feel like training um, or you don't feel like going to the gym or they're probably the best days to do it. Um, so true but yeah I, I think having having a balance and um, between you know all these different things has like one taught me how to be super good at, at organising time 
Um, and then I think two is like just, you know, being able to keep your mind, I guess for me, being busy keeps my mind at ease a bit, yeah. you know, um, and then sort of when I actually do have time to relax, I feel like, I felt like I've, I've really earned it, you know. Yeah, no, I get that mindset. Yeah. So I read somewhere and we've talked a little bit about how you had that down period and then you sort of wrote Own Worst Enemy. Yeah. How did you sort of get your confidence back? Because I feel like in music, when you're singing, you have to be very confident on stage. You can't be it. Yeah. Shy. Well, I guess that is how I got it back, like through the music. Like that was the first, that was the first year that I hadn't, like I started a master's teaching degree that year and I was two weeks in and I had four assignments, like, like just like handed to me. I got given four due dates and I was like, no, like, I can't be bothered. I was like, I think I need a break from study, like sitting there trying to plan out these assignments. And I was like, I think I just need a break. So even just like, like a lot goes into a song. So when you've finished it or even when you've got like an idea that you're like, I really like this, that sort of automatically makes you feel a bit better about yourself, yeah. I guess. Like really, really feeding into like, um, like self-improvement and self-worth and all those sorts of things. So when you like, when I was in that shit and then you write a song and you're like, oh, you know what, that, that feels pretty good. Yeah. You know, and then being able to perform that live, like I've always loved performing, I've always like, um, love the spotlight a bit so you know when i'm on stage like that automatically makes you feel a bit better about yourself yeah now i love what you said with a few things how with the mindset sort of thing like the feeling comes after the action so you do a lot of things and then you, you get your feeling back or you feel good after doing it rather than waiting to feel good to do it which is what i'm about you know action and then the feelings come after yeah so i guess that's I've covered most of the stuff I'm, I was interested in, but I've got some rapid fire questions here, and I'm, let me play the sound. <laughs> stop for pop. I call it stop for pop, but also my pop has a question. But you have answered the question. Yeah. Okay. But I guess you can be a bit more specific about the question. So yeah. I'll, I'll play it for you. Yeah. Did you use music as motivation in your run? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, Pop. I think um, the first the first eight laps, oh, me and Mitch were just talking shit. And, like, we, like, God, if anyone else heard what we were talking about, you, you'd, like, <laughs> you'd want to run away. Like, <laughs> no one would have any idea what we're talking about. Like, I think we're doing, like, a, oh, what was it? Like, a we hadn't. We we're talking like slam poetry, like Jonah Hill in oh, in Jump Street. We oh, like, that's what came to mind yeah. straight away. How good is that? Cynthia, Cynthia, Jesus died for our Cynthia's. We were like taking the piss for probably the first four laps, and people running past us were like, "Why are these blokes laughing?" Like, we're she died. Doing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were literally doing a run and just <sighs> like, oh my god. Like, <laughs> Like, don't put us in the same room. Like, we just – it's just stupid. But um, that got me through, through the first few laps. And then, like, when, when I was really struggling, I, like, put on – I think I put on a D'Angelo album um, and then maybe put on a Doja Cat album. <laughs> just like, just a, a bit of R&B, a bit of soul. Um, and then, 
yeah like i love listening to albums so it's like it's like a little story it's like almost like a and then i think one of the one of the laps i listened to the latest hamish and andy podcast episode yeah. so you know music and and like audio books and stuff like that helped me through it because you know you're not thinking about what your legs are doing you're just thinking about what you're listening to did your phone last with the charge oh uh, so i use my watch oh your watch yeah i actually i did i did have my phone for for the laps where i was using the music because my watch is a bit dicky with the music but yeah i think on the on the 13th lap this was the lowest point because my watch died at like the start of the lap so i didn't know how long i had to go i didn't know where i was taking my walks yeah, and like so nice. um and i wasn't expecting it to die and, and i knew at that point i was like oh my god like what's the point of running if none of this is saved on my garment and i can show other people <laughs> like yeah like that's sort of the thing with running it's like i mean now it's a bit stupid it's like a, it's kind of nice to go for a run without the watch but I love showing off mate, to people. People are strive addicted. Yeah. I have a mate. I don't know how much he listens, Andrew Parker, but every run he does, he sends me because I don't really go on Strava anymore because during footy, I yeah. don't really track that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he always sends me um, pictures of his runs, and and I feel like my stepmom as well, and they're all their friends, like a, like athletes on Strava, and it's so so competitive, and people just love to post what they're doing people yeah. most people can't go out and do something like a run or a ride without having to post it. i reckon it's a bad thing for some people but for me it's great because it's like it's like i i probably care a bit too much about what people think so if it's like if i'm doing a run and like i've really got a like a goal for me would be like just make sure you get it at this pace so you're a bit quicker than that person that posted their run this morning or something like that yeah. like little like little things to make me run a bit faster um, yeah. But when the watch died, I was like, oh, you're kidding me. And then put it on charge and I thought I'd lost everything. I still I still had the laps there, which was good. Um, but, yeah. The, Did the, they not give you any sort of tracker through them? You paid $150, you thought you'd get well, it. Well, they, they tick you off each lap. So oh, once, good, you, good once on you got them. through, yeah, you got your little number and good they go, that, okay. <laughs> it do, I mean, it really doesn't matter how fast you go, how slow you go. Like yeah. you can get in, you could do 30 laps getting in at the hour or getting in like a minute before and walking to the – the what did the bloke who won um how did he do it yeah well we saw him like at the start and he was probably for the first for the first maybe up until midnight he was probably towards the back of the pack every time like i don't reckon he would have given himself more than five minutes break because he just didn't didn't need it like you know he would have prepared super super i think he'd prepared to do 100 laps because you have to end up doing me no him uh god he um, 100 laps yeah i think he did about 40 or more yeah but but surely he wasn't trying thought he could do 100 yeah well he's he's i think he's definitely capable of doing it it's you have to so the last person that the person that wins they have to stop a lap after the person before them oh so bows no out. To go with. so if you've got no one to go with you can you're only allowed to do one more lap and then you've won and did and that what happened with him? Yeah, so that's because he had more he, in the tank. He looked fresh. Oh my like, god! That's well, I was watching the live stream. I've seen the video of you coming in. You looked cooked. I, I was I you was done, cooked. mate. I was done. I mean, I look done when I'm running anyway. Oh, like my, I'm, yeah. I'm a heel runner, but yeah. like watching watching Phil come through the finish line uh, on like Monday morning, and on the live stream, he looks fresh. He's like smiling. He's did like he? walking around. Didn't so even want to. He got no sleep or anything. He, so a lot of people that knew that they were doing more than like a day's worth would 
get in, would do like a quick lap every few laps and, then and have a sleep. Nap. So he, one of his like third or fourth last laps, he did it in like 37 minutes, I think. Something stupid. Bro, I'd, like ran it quick. That's probably what I'd do, just the standard. <laughs> and then got back, had a 15-minute nap and then got up and got ready to go again. Right? Tank. I know. There's a few stories of, of people like um, with only one other person on their support crew and then people both accidentally falling asleep and then not making the next lap. And like, oh. So you like, you got to be careful with it because you yeah. got to have like good support crew there Especially to wake you up. Especially goes through like middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. So... That's my pop's question. Now I got I got a th- three questions from the same person from Gas. You ruined what I was gonna say. Oh. I was gonna say guess who, and then yeah. <laughs> did you know JS Garcia? Did yeah. you know this was coming? No, nah, I don't know what he's asked, but I know he's asked questions. He loves sending a question into list cloggers. So oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's. I good, think he just loves hearing guess. his name called out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good guess from you already. Um, so you must be a, a single man. Yeah, I am. Okay, because yeah. it's first question. <laughs> Is your Tinder profile pic still the 2018 grand final win? <laughs> Is that the one I, I posted? Oh, my God. Um, no, it's not. Not Different anymore. One? Yeah, yeah. I've come to realise that, like, I don't think I don't think old girls love a footy boy. I think it's I think it's different. <laughs> but, no, nah, that's, that's not... Um, yeah, no comment on the Tinder profile. <laughs> no comment. Thanks, JS. <laughs> Is it true you're the best DJ at North Beach? I think there's – I mean, I'm trying to think of I – th- I think I've sort of come in this year and been a bit of a pest at the club. Like, I'll just get up on the decks and, and, and take the reins. But I think Garth and, and Dill Campbell are still the two main men in, in the boiler room. Three amigos. Yeah, yeah. Last one here from him. Why yeah. do players run off after kicking a goal? Yeah, that's a really good question, um, James Garcia. Does he run off after kicking a goal? Yeah, he did. He actually ran off after kicking a goal against Mount Lawley. And I think that could be actually why we lost because um, he was in form. So why would you run off after kicking a goal? I don't know. I've, I've seen once in the AFL, Buddy stayed on and he kicked like four in like five minutes. Yeah, I don't know why they run off. Um, maybe something to do with the interchange... Yeah, I think we might have to – that could be an ongoing question oh. that we maybe speak to the coaches about and get get them to do something about it. When I used to be a forward um, – actually, just before I go into that, yeah, you go. kicked one goal in your Colts because you played back line sort of more. Um, do you remember that goal? Was, what do you mean? Are you in talking Colts, about North Beach Waffle, Colts? No, nah, Waffle Colts. It says you kick one goal. I don't remember it. 37. You don't I remember don't remember it. it. No. <laughs> you know what? It was probably like a um, – I think – we played one game and I started in the forward line because we, like that year we won the flag. Like we actually took the piss. I think we won 13 on the trot and it was yeah. like, it was like I, I didn't expect to be doing that in a team at Waffle Colts level. Like it was so much fun. We just, we would win games just like easily and it felt weird. The grand final wasn't like that. Did you have any, um, I think I might have been at that grand final. Was that the what Did you, who was We it? beat Swan Districts by two points. Who was in that? Um, was there anyone like AFL? Anyone go to the AFL in that? Um, Luke Foley, Georgie Artis, Nick Martin. Oh yeah, I did go to that. Um, oh, so you played a bit with Nick Martin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just surprised how much he. Um, it's pretty funny. I kind of love name. I I love it when they go to the AFL because then I can name them. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I, I captain Nick Martin, who kicked 
What did he do? He kicked, kicked five stuff. goals and had 27 touches in his debut yeah. game or something. Like, he was, like, he was always good. And so was Georgie. Like, they, uh, they were always... But the best, the, probably the best player in that team was Luke Foley. Yeah. Like, dom- like absolutely dominated. And he's, you know, he's starting to, to come to now. I reckon he's going to be really good for the Eags. But, like... Nick Martin wasn't putting I'm, up those numbers in, in yeah. Colts. Like, I, I just think he suits AFL with his running and his skills. Yeah, well, he, he played like a key forward for us. Did he? Yeah. Because like, we, we, he was... I saw he kicked three goals in that grand final. Yeah, he, he kicked... He was always kicking goals, like, whenever we could get him away from PSA because he was playing PSA footy. Yeah. Um, but, nah, pretty funny to look back now and be like, oh, like, you, you see him on TV and you're like, oh... Played footy with them. Give me free tickets, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always love watching him. He's such a good footballer to watch. His kicking is fucking He amazing. probably doesn't remember me anymore. Yeah. But he'd have to listen to me because I captained him. So <laughs> <laughs> So I got the last one here. I, I haven't. I don't get many questions. Um, I'm yep. hoping once the show grows, I, I get a bit more input from yep. the people. Yeah. You need to get some, get some um, seg- different segment questions going. Yeah, that's a yeah. Good, good idea. So I got Liam Cattell for me, Catter. Yep. He says, do you eat the grass off the oval pregame? Um, I had a nibble on the weekend and I think, um, I think I might just have to from now on. Depends how much fertiliser they've put on. Because yeah. <laughs> seeing how well Matty Rowe's doing, I reckon, yeah. Especially now that I'm probably going to be, fingers crossed, I don't want to jinx it, but hopefully I'm spending a bit more time in the midfield. Yeah. I love the back line, but... The midfield's pretty fun, so maybe just Mate, the center, you, the don't center come circle. Back, stay there as long as you can. Maybe the center circles. You get, you might get, get wrote, a few more yeah. nibbles. <laughs> Mate, you get roped back into the back line, so <laughs> I'm advising you to stay there right. for, for your yeah. own good. Yeah, you can put in a good word then. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there's going to be a few changes this week, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few, yeah. but I guess that's footy. That roll, is footy. Roll with the punches. Yeah. Eat so, more grass. <laughs> anyways. That's it. Um, thanks for coming on. It's been a great chat. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed the listen and learnt something from the great man. Adok, thanks, thanks for legend. On. Thanks for having me, mate. Cheers. So research, try and find, but you don't know where to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind. You're confused and want to know. Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye. Listen to me, time is your key. You'll find out by and by. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.